That's why we get busier okay. during the summer. Shop. Oh, is it? It's actually pretty funny. I, yeah, shop. Yeah. You're selling it? Yeah. Probably should. We have to readjust the cameras, boys. In the sap seat. We got the wow. boss getting the sap, sap sitting. Ooh. It's all right. Tree's good. Yeah, on tree drip. Yeah. It's cool. I won't S melt. Sticky stuff. Sugar don't melt. My papa used to say that. Sugar don't melt. That's a good segue right there. It is. You sure that's sap? Really random. <laughs> well, there are some birds up there. There could be birds. <laughs>
So a lot of people think sales is the way to do it, but that's exactly the opposite. So lazy accountants will do that. And because a contractor may not know it, they, they can't question it. So labor, on the other hand, if we, if we run two calls to the same service call, we know we've spent more labor. We know we've spent more gasoline, more maintenance on the truck, more risk, more general liability insurance, right? So labor is what drives overhead. So we look at the labor in each department and we create a ratio. And so we apply the ratio to the expenses in the overhead and you put those in the in the buckets of the departments based on what the labor is doing. So if my if my labor is 20% of my overall labor in the department then they take 20% of the rent, 20% of everything else. Yeah, but, it, but by department. So remember, you could have a 25% overall labor cost in the company. So we're not taking 25% right. and applying it evenly. It's the, we're looking at the labor in the plumbing what department, percent of that in the service department, because service is a much higher labor cost business. So it's going to get more overhead allocated naturally because you're running more truck. Yeah. So five service calls per tech a day is using more gas, using more depreciation than one installed truck per day. And so those, that's the second method. So you scan the chart of accounts, the remaining accounts that are left over, you do management discretion. You look at that and say, well, where does Wally, where, the general manager, where does Wally spend his time? Uh, you know, if you have a service manager that's running commercial service and residential service, you'd probably say, well, 50% goes over here and 50% goes over here. So you, you make some good decisions. The key on the last one is that you never change that, you know, during midstream. You maintain consistency on that decision. So if you decided to split rent up over five departments, 20% of the rent to each department, you don't flip-flop around, right. you follow me? You, you remain at 20%. So and it's all, and, all three of those kind of- Yeah, all three of them together bundled together and then you'll have an overhead amount at the end, that's a dollar amount. And then you start looking at how many hours of labor and you get your overhead per hour or your overhead per day. And that's the key metric. That's, the, that's what gets a contractor over the hump from pricing and selling and strategy. And it just it's information that's just, it's next level information. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these guys, I mean, unfortunately, their books are so bad that, um, you know, the, the only method that you can apply, and it's at least a good way to get started, because at least you're applying the overhead factor, is is the labor, right? Because you can figure that out. These guys have that, right? Yeah, got but, it. We got payroll. Yeah. So, I mean, if you did if you did it just the one method, that's at least a start. That's better than doing nothing. But it's easy. Like, like for example, uh, if you ran a direct mail uh, campaign for replacements, all of that goes into the replacement department. You don't put that into the advertising right. bucket, right? As you would your website, right? But back in the 90s, and you know, we did yellow pages, I put 70%, uh, 75% of that into my ser uh, service department. Why? Because I did nothing else to promote service, right? There was no, I, I, I did everything else to promote maintenance, indoor air quality, and replacement, but really nothing to promote service. But if you think about it, who's calling me on the phone? 80% of my phone calls were, were uh, you know, coming in the front, uh, on the front line there were for service, right? So how did they get me back then? It was Yellow Pages. You could make that argument today that your, maybe your website, most of it should go towards the service department because it drives service calls. It really doesn't drive replacement too much. And it doesn't drive maintenance, you know. So let me ask another question that's kind of related to this. I want to come back to that. Well, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. You go ahead. I mean, because you can make that argument. I mean, you absolutely can. Uh, I, I will suggest, though, as a web company, uh, we uh, create uh, promotions and tracking systems and, and forms. Yeah. And we, we kind of ask the client what brought you to us. So we use those as tools to determine, well, how much was really service 
and uh, you know the calls that come through are recorded so we can actually look at the artificial intelligence algorithm and we can actually look at that and say 60% of the calls that came in were service mm -hmm. so that we know that that if you were going to burden the website you know to the demand service department that's how we do it typically Basically. now but you got to have a web company that's giving you that data yeah and as we know there there are a few that do but most don't shameless which, plug which one does <laughs> I like it. There. Hey, so let me ask another accounting-related question. Is there a certain time, a certain size of a company that should go from a cash to accrual basis, or does it, does it as long as you do it consistently for the years, it's going to work out? Or is there a, what's, what's your thinking on that? Well, it's, uh, it's probably less my thinking and more like an accounting standard. Um, general accepted accounting principles and then the law, you're, you're allowed to switch once. So you can't go cash, switch to accrual, and then switch back to cash. It, you, you're not supposed to do that. Let's put it that way. So uh, the, the direct answer to your question is uh, it really it kind of comes down to inventory. Uh, cash accounting is, you know, like a checkbook. It's pretty simple, right? Receive the money, put it in the checkbook, pay the bills, take it out of the checkbook. Um, the problem with that is you can have a job or especially a company that's getting into light commercial or doing New work that extends beyond today or tomorrow. And so the, the money that you use, you're paying payroll. So payroll's getting, you know, dinged. This, the check register is getting hit, but you're not collecting any money yet, right? So potentially you haven't collected the money. Accrual, what accrual does is it says, hey, we're gonna book that as a sale the day that you sign the agreement whether you spend any money or collect any money, it counts. Book it as revenue. We're going to book it as revenue. And then as the expenses occur, you would then begin seeing the check register, you know, money goes out. Uh, and then the inventory account is really a balance sheet item. And this, this gets into a conversation. Of, it's, it's almost a competency problem inside of the accounting. Can your accounting and can your group deal with accrual? Cash is easy to deal with. Accrual is, if I buy the inventory, and it's a cash business, I write the check to the supplier, it is going out of the register, it hits my income statement right now. So if I put that $375,000 order in that we just talked about, and, and Dykin ships that to me, and I write that check to them, all $375,000 is going into the installation department the day I wrote that check. But I didn't sell any of that stuff yet. Right. So my income statement looks like trash. Right. Looks like my material equipment cost is too high. Accrual says, Put that over here in the inventory bucket. We're not going to count it as an expense to the income statement yet. Cash goes down, but your assets go up by the same amount that you paid. So your balance sheet balances. And then when you draw the inventory down, that's when you hit the expense pattern. And that's really the issue with accrual that's beneficial, is it's a more true, accurate way of looking at how the company is operating. So I would always want a company to be accrual if they could. Yeah. So the answer to your question is, do it Depends. as soon as you're capable. Like most accounting questions. Do it as soon as you can that you're, that you're capable. We, we run cash. I look at every month as accrual also because I'm always thinking mm -hmm. about that kind of stuff. Like, okay, what did we, what did we buy this month that we're not going to use till later on? Just to give me kind of an idea. Right. Right. But, um, you know, that's, that's next level stuff. Listen, by the way, what are we smoking? What are we drinking? Well, uh, we have a Weller 12-year-old bourbon. And uh, uh, same folks that uh, make the Pappy Van Winkle brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty outstanding. 
Yeah. It's it's uh, it's wonderful. I uh, I got this bottle at a an auction for Scholar School a fundraiser, so I probably paid ten times. <laughs> right. But we would have given the money to the school anyway. Right. Mm. Well, whatever you paid for it, it was worth it. I think yeah. it was about seven or eight hundred bucks. Nice. Cheers. Here's Cheers. It up. Doing it. <clears throat> and what are you uh, smoking there, buddy? Uh, well, I am smoking a Partagas uh, number four. Uh, uh, it's a short. It's a uh, Cuban from yeah. the uh, from brought back from the Caymans out of my uh, got salt, salt my there, jail right? time down in Caymans. <laughs> jail time. <laughs> shit. I'll tell you about jail time, buddy. You have not <laughs> doing jail time down there. I promise you. <laughs> Bikini watching and sipping whiskey on the beach does not count. It felt like jail time. It felt like <laughs> jail time. <laughs> and uh, and what are you smoking? Romeo and Juliet, though. Yeah. Yeah. One of my faves. Yeah. And I got those, uh, was it Padrones? Yeah, you got the Padrones. For you, because I knew you'd be here. And yep. I ought to just tell our our watchers and listeners that pressure is buying cigars for Gary Alex. That's pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and we're actually at my house today in Colorado. Beautiful day, is it not? Oh, it's fantastic. 70 degrees, sunshine, a few little clouds. But um, so I went out this morning to get cigars in anticipation of you guys being here and a lot of pressure on a guy. Home run. Thanks, you you work well, well you on the pressure. Own. You brought your own. You work well. Well, I didn't know what you were going to do. So uh, now now that we know, we're we're going to dip ne in. Now the, next time you can relax. I'm not going to smoke my Cubans when I can smoke yours. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why you're very honest. This is why you're smarter than me. Damn. I, I feel like that dude in Huck Finn that just painted your fence. <laughs> What else are we talking about? One of the things that uh, we did talk about, that we were going to talk about when we talk about it, is uh, is contractors sometimes unwillingness to invest in software, programs, systems, training. And it's almost the mindset of tripping over a dollar to save a penny. Yeah. And one of the things you were talking about, Drew, was uh, one of your programs, your load calc software, mm -hmm. that literally is $10, $15 a month. Yeah. And contractors will object to spending the money. And when you stop and think about the value add, the value creation, when you're running a lead and using that software as what I'm doing here, you know, that's probably going to add more than $10 a month <laughs> in top line revenue because People will pay you more if you look competent, and those types of programs, your your program, you don't just look more competent; you are more competent. Oh, well, you should be. You know. Yeah. And and it's kind of funny because you have programs that you sell in the industry. So do I. We all do. And it's strange how sometimes that guys fail to look at the return on investment. You know, they just don't look at the big picture. How? Maybe frustrating isn't the right word, Drew, but the, is it, how frustrating is it when you're trying to help guys and they can't see the, the benefit in investing some money in, in any type of program or system? Yeah, it's very frustrating because, you know, we all, again, it's not a commercial for any of obviously the products or services that we sell, you know, to the members, but obviously, and obviously our members, you know, have invested, right? They've invested into EJAGs. They are making some investments, but it's these other other investments that they have to make because you have to invest in order to grow. 
right? I mean, you've got to you've got to put seeds in to the business, and right. and cash is a seed. Uh, and, and so, it's either the sales training or it, it's software, it's it's literally tools, systems, processes, procedures, you know, training, coaching. It's all it's all those types of things. And yes, owning um, a software company that does load calculations and home energy modeling. And we have a new price book tool coming out here uh, this month uh, that'll be live. And and again, it's an investment guide, right? It's a, it's an actual price book, flat rate price book for, for selling equipment. But those are the types of things that you have to make those investments because when you're in the home and you're trying to communicate you know, value, your value proposition to a homeowner, you need tools. It can't just be me. Right? If it's just my word, uh, it's, really, it's my opinion. Right? There's no, there's no math, there's no science, there's no facts, there's no data you know, on which to basically say that the things that you, know, you should consider are based off of these calculations, these facts, this data, this math, this science. Because otherwise, it's just your opinion. And therefore, as a consumer, I have to just believe you, the contractor? I, I, I don't think so. When I'm going to spend five, 10, 15, 20 some thousand dollars, you know, I need to know <laughs> that it's based off of some math or science or something, right? right. Uh, not just your opinion, right? Because I can bring in three other contractors and they'll all give me, you know, their opinion. And now it's like, okay, well, now who do I do business with? Well, if you're the guy with the math and the science and the facts and the data, you win. It goes to competence. Yeah. I was, when you were saying that, I was thinking of uh, Stephen Amar Covey's book, The Speed of Trust. Yeah. In that book, he really does a great job of defining what trust is in business. We all know trust is important in the sales process. Yep. But he goes, that whole book talks about that trust is a combination of high character and high competence. And the kind of tools you're talking about demonstrates competence. Yep. It makes you appear you are more professional, more of an expert. Yep. When you are using the technology, the latest technology, you know, related to your industry. Yep. Versus just what the guy said. You said something a couple of weeks ago. It may, may have been Gary, so forgive me. But one of you guys, we were on one of our experts' calls. And you were talking, we were, we were t a contractor had a, a question about people shopping you. Uh -huh. And you said, give them something they can't shop. Yep. Which is you. Yep. Your confidence. That was me. Yep. Because yeah. it becomes compelling, right? And that's what we talked about, being compelling. That's what Russ and I really focus on teaching is not selling, but being compelling. If I'm compelling, then you're going to, be, you're going to feel compelled to act. I don't, have to, I don't have to persuade you. I don't have to encourage you. There's no manipulation. You, know, you, you feel compelled to take action because I presented a case. And you're like, that makes sense to me, right? And, and so it's interesting. You say, you know, Dr. Covey talking about that. Um, but this goes back to Aristotle. Aristotle talked about the three components of trust are the perception of intent, character, right? Do I trust you to have not have an agenda that's self-serving, right? Perception of competence, which is your knowledge, your expertise, your wisdom, right? And then capacity to trust. So the first two come from me, meaning I, I have to control my intent so that it doesn't appear as though I have an agenda and I can control my knowledge but I don't control your capacity to trust, nor do I control your perception of the first two on me, right? But your capacity to trust is, is long established before I ever show up at the house, right? So if a customer's sitting there and they're like kind of closed off and they're not really open and not really willing to kind of share too much, they may have a very low capacity to trust. But as I spend more time with them, hopefully they open up a little bit. 
But now when I have the math and the facts and the science and the data and the, the tools that prove that what I'm saying is backed by a third party or some calculations or something, now my capacity to trust will go up with you. It doesn't change, but it will go up with you in this moment because you've come in and, and proven to me that you're not just giving me an opinion, right? You're like a doctor, right? It's funny, I, I, we literally call it the white lab coat syndrome. Technicians tend to get that. That's the interesting thing, right? Most of these contractors started out as installers or technicians, most of them, not all of them. Uh, and they understand that the technician has the credibility. So that's why a lot of them want to embrace the selling tech model, right, of selling equipment. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it because uh, I, I don't think it's in the best interest of the customer or the company for that matter. But, um, but a technician does get that white lab coat syndrome, right? We, we implicitly tr trust our doctors and dentists. Right. Right. We, we don't even ask to get a second opinion more often than not. Right. We'll even just, if they're incompetent, we trust them. We, even if they're incompetent. Because they we, got that lab coat. They got that lab coat. And, and so I believe, I've long believed, that it's the tools and the reference to the third party information that gives me that white lab coat syndrome as a comfort advisor. Right. Because I don't have that going in. A technician gets it because he's got the tools, he's got the uniform. Right. Uh, and as a comfort advisor, I don't know that I get that same level of credibility. You know, it's got to be some degree of credibility that comes with the hair, Drew. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you got a beautiful set of locks like I that, think you should keep my credibility's been going up these last few months just because I haven't been able to get a cut. I like it. Well, yeah, it's wild. I, I, I want to go on a rant. It's a it's going to be a short rant, but and then I want to I want to promote an EGIA resource that supports this whole conversation. Yeah. So. The contractor mentality, the mechanic mentality, is something that um, we, we need to get our membership out of. Mm -hmm. Those that are not out of it uh, need to get out of it. And uh, the way we get process and uh, we look at like an investment in software, whether that's LoadCalc or whether it's Service Titan or you know, Aptura or a system, a process, is we, we need to get a plan these contractors need to get a, they need to embrace the principle that they need to have a plan so you can't do it all at once when we do this class okay the egia business planning company planning process you mean that three planning day, you mean that three-day class that you that teach three-day class the one that i keep promoting for you <laughs> and the whole point of that is to break down all the processes all the investments every possibility put it down on a piece of paper and say which ones do i want to attack now and how much does it improve my bottom line, my top line, my ability to grow the company. And if we can just get everybody in EGIA as a member to do that, yeah. I think it's a staggering improvement in the profitability of our group of clients, yeah. EGIA. And so it's frustrating for me because the people that come uh, are just very successful in, uh, on the output. And Drew will back this up. Mm -hmm. We've met, he sent many of his clients and many of the EGIA uh, attendees. And uh, those that don't come, are often asking the questions, should I buy software? And you know, if you if you if you had a plan and your plan says buy software, then you probably ought to be doing that. So uh, that's my well, rant. Who, who and, pays uh, for all this, by the way? Right? Like if I if I wanted to buy load calc software, service titan, Aptora, uh, price book software, sales training, coaching, who who buys all this stuff? Because these contractors they they get hung up on spending the money, like you were talking about. Right. So, I mean, because they don't want to, they don't want to pay, they don't want to pay for it. They don't want to make the investment. But that's, I think, the biggest mistake that they don't realize. Because who is truly buying this stuff? 
Well, ultimately, we're burning it in the overhead and we're passing it on our prices to the client. Customers so. paying for it. And if we're Contra doing it right, pay for any of it. we give the customer a better experience. Exactly. The client journey's better. So they're happy to actually pay for it. Yeah. So, well, right? that client journey, that's part of, that's one of those things they can't shop. Correct. Because they can have the same equipment, they can have pretty trucks, they can have logos in the shirts. What they don't have is you and they don't have the experience. This cigar and this bourbon are perfect examples of that because you can buy cheaper cigars and cheaper bourbon, right. but you can't reproduce the quality. No, you can't, you can't. Good stuff. One thing I wanted to uh, just mention too on the three-day class, the strategy class that you do, the planning class. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of that, and I've got to get Mike and Eric to your class this fall. Uh, I meant to sit Mike last year, and I think it was in the Caymans or something last year, wasn't it? Vegas. Vegas, okay. Well, we, we do one in the Caymans, but Vegas is the EGI platform. Okay. So one of the things that contractors, I think, could be afraid of at times is getting overwhelmed. But I think part of what you do is you go through and say, okay, here's the things you got to do. Now let's prioritize. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to four disciplines of execution. We're just going to focus on one or two this year or this quarter. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? What's the big rock this quarter? Mm -hmm. And then, and, and so it's not about, you know, they're going to come out of that with 20 different things they got to do or 30 or 50. Yeah. But you're not going to try to have them fix all those. No. No. In, in one year. Drew was telling a story earlier, and I think it's so representative of this whole conversation. We won't name names, but a smaller company, $4 million or so in revenue. And the guy brings you in, mission, vision, uh, job descriptions, organization structure, accounting, departmentalization. His company stays the same size in revenue, but quadruples, or whatever five times is, or six times, whatever that would be. Four is, to 17. What's that? Four to 17. Right. So four, four, times. four percent. Over four times. Four percent four to quarter. 17 and a half. Four and a quarter. Right? Ninth grade education pays off sometimes. <laughs> so four and, a half, four and a quarter times, it, it multiplies. Yep. And I don't know what your fee would, it wouldn't matter what your fee is. I guarantee you, it was a fraction mm -hmm. of the additional, you know, couple hundred grand. Well, I don't know what thing. his fee is, but let's say we paid him $30,000 for that. $4 million, if you take that no, extra, you know, 14 or 13 percent. All right. So even that pays for that fee. But that contractor gets to keep that from now on. There you go. It's, right. Because the fee goes away. The fee is only one time. So it would be almost insanity to not execute that whole right. discussion. Which is, so I have another client that, you know, they looked at my services back in 2005. Um, they did hire me to do some load calc training, but they didn't hire me to do the sales training piece. And then flash forward to, to 2012, the general manager was getting ready to retire. And he says, I'm not retiring until you bring in, you know, bring in Drew and Russ. And so went into the company and had nine salespeople doing $4 million. Nine. Yikes. <laughs> Sub 30% closing ratio, right? Fast forward to, you know, to this year, we've been working on that now for eight, for eight years. We have now 11 salespeople. We actually took that team uh, down from nine to four, added a fifth, and took them to eight million at a 50% closing ratio within that first year, right? right? And this is now a team of 11 people that will do over $30 million in replacements and another $6 million in generators. Just had a guy who did a half a million dollar record month, right? And they've been with us now eight years, right? So if you think about this, they didn't make the commitment in 2005. They waited to 2012. What did that cost them? Yeah, right. What did that cost them in business, yeah. right? And so to Gary's point, we've got to get our contractors out of the contractor mentality. 
right? This is an oil company. So an oil company even has a worse mentality, right? Because right? they're so, they were so focused Modern. on, on selling, on selling the gallons. And I said, you're not in the fuel oil business. You are in the customer care business. Your job is to get and keep customers. I don't care if they're going to sell to a gas furnace or a heat pump or, or keep the oil, right? And then once they come in, once they come into the ecosystem, this company does electrical and plumbing and security and home automation and all kinds of other stuff, right? We don't, they can come in anywhere now. They can go into any one of these ecosystem, uh, you know, fingers, if you will, and, and do business with you. But, but they go nowhere if they don't come in, but they've got to come in through one of the channels, right? And so as contractors, our listeners really need to focus, our, our members really need to focus in on, we are in business, okay? It happens to be the business of contract, but we're, we're, we're business people. Right. And, we, and it's, it's marketing, it's selling, it's managing the numbers, it's, it's the staff, it's the admin. It, you know, the things, the, you know, the, thing, the turning of the wrenches, you guys got that down, right? right. They got that down in spades, right? It's, exactly. the, it's the business of this game that they need to get better at. Yeah.